Great. It's good to be with you guys this morning. We're, this is going to be <clears throat> a real brief time for the simple fact that uh, I want you to have time to chat around your tables and talk about some things. So we're going to um, have our time be very brief. But about 60 years ago, um, the author C.S. Lewis wrote an essay called The Seeing Eye. And in that, he wrote it in response to uh, one of the first men to travel into space, say, a cosmonaut from Russia named Yuri uh, Gagarin. And Gagarin, who was a communist, when he was flying in space, one of the things he said was, I don't see God anywhere up here. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, my throat's been sore all week. Uh, Lewis wrote, looking for God or heaven by exploring space is like reading or seeing all of Shakespeare's plays with the hope that you will find Shakespeare as one of the characters or Stratford as one of the places. Shakespeare, in a sense, is present in every moment of every play, but he is never present in the same way as Falstaff or Lady Macbeth, nor is he diffused through the play like a gas. And what he was trying to get across later on, he, he comes back and, and C.S. Lewis finishes, he says, if there is someone who thought plays exist on their own without an author, our belief in Shakespeare would not be affected by his saying quite truly that he had studied all the plays and never found Shakespeare in them. To some, God is discoverable everywhere. To others, nowhere. Those who do not find him on earth are unlikely to find him in space. But send up a saint into space, and he'll find God in space as he found God on earth. Much depends on the seeing eye. Now, the only way that characters in a book are ever going to know the author of the book is if the author decides to write himself into the story. That's the only way. And that's exactly what God did. That I want us to see, you know, if someone were to ask you, you know, um, tell me the Christmas story. You know, what, what was the story of the first Christmas? You know, think about what is it that you would say to them? How would you begin to communicate that? I think for some, they'd start with um, like the angel appearing to Mary and they would start. And that's a great place to start. I mean, they, you know, some would do that. Some would take their cue from the Old Testament quotations in Matthew and they would start with Isaiah and they would begin to talk about how, you know, uh, a virgin is going to come forth with a son, and, and that's not a bad place to start either. But what I would submit to you is that none of those are the best place to start. Instead, if you want to get the big picture and have, you know, the absolute need to understanding the earth-shattering significance of Christmas, then I think there's a better place to start. So what would be the best place to start? Well, as, as you know, we were talking about songs. As the song says, um, let's start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. You know, so in John chapter 1, you hear these words from John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. So, why does John start there? I mean, why, why not start one of the places that the other gospel writers are? Why does John start there? John makes his aim very clear. He has one goal in the book, and he brings that out in John 20 31, and he says this These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's John's whole purpose. Christmas is the celebration of the greatest message ever. 
and that is the message, God is with us. God came near to us so that we could draw near to him. And so what I'd like us to do in this passage right here in in John 1 is simply ask and answer three questions uh, quickly for you this morning. The first is this, what does it mean that Jesus is the word? I mean, sometimes if you read that, I remember the first time I read that, I was like, what in the world is this talking about? You know, and you're like, he's a word. He was, he was, I was like, I'm confused. What is he saying? You know, Jesus is the word. Well, the function of the word is to transmit an idea or to give us a mental picture. You know, like if I say um, the word pencil, you automatically have a picture in your mind. But what is the picture in your mind when you hear the word God? See, what he was telling us here is Jesus gives us a mental picture of this is what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. You you go to Jesus. He is the word for God. When God wants to give us an opportunity to really know him, what he wrote, he did. He wrote himself into the story. He came down and dwelt among us. And so he wants to be seen and known through Christ. So what do you see when you look at Christ? What is God like when you look at Jesus? Well, John is very clear on that as well. He says, we see God as full of grace and truth. In verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now the word dwell is a really interesting word in the original language. The word dwell there is a word it means to to set up your tent or to pitch your tent. And what he's saying there is when when God wanted to show us what he was like, Jesus pitched his tent among us. And you think, what's the significant? Well, now if somebody drops by your house one night and they kind of sit there for a little bit and say, hey, you know, you think, okay, they're going to be here for a little bit. You know, you kind of talk to them a little bit. But if all of a sudden you walked out and somebody is pitching their tent in your backyard, you're like, hey, what's up? You know, I mean, they intend to be there for a while. They intend to communicate some things. That was what Jesus was doing. He was here pitching his tent among us to allow us to know this is the heart of God. This is the character of God. This is what God is like. And then it says he was full of grace and truth. It's not like he was half grace and half truth. And that's who he was. No, he was full of grace, totally full, full of truth, totally full. So when the first thing, you know, what, what does it mean that Jesus is the word? It means he gives us a mental picture of exactly what God is like. So the second question, what is God's purpose in wanting us to know what he's like and wanting us to, to you know, know who he was? Because he wanted to give us the privilege and the opportunity to experience his grace and truth through a relationship with him. Verse 11 through 13 there in John 1 says, this is how you can begin a relationship with him. In verse 11, he says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. So what he's telling us clearly there is, if you want to begin a relationship with Christ, you have to receive him. You have to receive him. So the last question, then what does it really mean to receive Christ? What, what is that about? Because I think people get confused on that. They think, well, you know, it means you go to church. That means you do this. I mean, no, 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 no. What does that mean? What does it mean to actually receive him? Well, in verse 12, receive and believe are synonymous words that are used there. 
And believe is one of John's favorite words. He uses it 90-some times in the Gospel of John. It's an active word. It means to depend upon and to trust. In John 3, uh, 36, we see that the opposite of believing is really rebellion against God, not, not accepting his authority over our lives. But the word receive here, when he says, as many as received him, that is a word, it means to take it and make it your own. Not, not like, you know, you design it the way you want, but like you receive it for what it is. You take it and you own it yourself. And so what he's saying there is, what he's getting at is, is you must depend upon God yourself. You must trust him yourself. It's not that he's just a good idea. Like, oh, it's good to know about him, but he is to be the very center of your life. So when we receive grace, when we receive Jesus, what we do is we tap into his grace and his truth in our life. He doesn't just want, you know, God's not interested in just filling our heads with ideas about his grace and truth. He wants us to receive it and he wants us to experience it. So this Christmas, what God wants for you personally is he wants you to have a foundation of truth that's going to hold up no matter what you're facing in life. Now, many of you, you know, I mean, in, in this crowd, I guarantee you, you're facing a lot of different things. For some of you, you know, you've gotten a prognosis and you're like, oh, not good. For some of you, you know, you just look at the future and the future right now does not seem great to you. But what God is saying is, you know what? I can give you truth that will lay a foundation that will endure through anything that you're going through, through anything you're facing. The second thing God wants is he wants you to personally experience his grace. For what? Well, one, for... Uh, for forgiveness of sins, for forgiveness of all your sins. If you've never done that, he wants you to experience what it's like to have his grace applied to your life and all of your sins be forgiven. Secondly, he wants you to experience his grace just for the strength to live each day. Because what you find is this, you find that, you know, grace gives you the power to do things in your life that you can never do just on your own. So he wants you to experience his grace for that. He also wants you to experience his grace so that you can be filled with hope and joy. You know, when, when the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, that wasn't the purpose of God coming. That was the byproduct of him coming. The byproduct of God being with us is peace on earth, goodwill for men. See, God wrote himself into the story so that we could know him personally and we could experience the life that he wants us to have. And so in this Christmas season, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take some time around your tables and I want you to be able to talk about a couple of things. One is this, should be here on the screen. One, I want you to talk about Jesus and his humanity understands everything we experience in life. What does that mean to you? As you think about, you know, Jesus understands everything you're going through, every feeling you have, every emotion you have, Jesus understands that. What, what does that mean for you? And then secondly, Jesus is both fully grace and fully truth. Why do we need Jesus to be both of those for us? So take some time around your table right now. If you haven't introduced yourself around the table and you don't know those people, get to know them. But talk about these two things a little bit, and then we'll call you back here in just a little bit. So chat amongst yourselves.
Okay, let me see here. I hope you've had some time around your tables to uh, discuss more of this. But let me just encourage you, this doesn't need to be uh, the only time that you discuss these things. I'd encourage you as you're uh, gathering with uh, friends and family, as you're gathering with others, I'd encourage you to go ahead and talk about some of these things with them as well, about, you know, the difference that we have because God is with us. It is a tremendous, tremendous difference. We're going to invite uh, the worship team back up, and they're going to close in the song. And do not forget, as Jeremy mentioned earlier, pictures and photos of family times right over there uh, by the tree after this. So there, plus, that there's plenty of food still, so feel free to grab more food. Do not be bashful. You know, do it. Victor. <laughs> 